Sure, many of us had our own uh, groans rooming up. (laughs) From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, The People in My Neighborhood. I have lived in numerous neighborhoods, giving me an abundance of neighbors. All categories of neighbors are covered. The friendly neighbor, the nosy neighbor, neighbors one never sees. The garage door opens, the car pulls in or out, then the door closes behind them, never making any kind of contact. We've had grumpy neighbors, chatty neighbors, some get a cheery wave with others a brief conversation. I have shared plants from my yard and received plants from others' yards. I have received abundance from others' gardens, but never shared any from mine, for abundance was not a thing in my gardens. I have explored a number of neighbors from my childhood in previous podcasts on Carlson Drive. So I will concentrate on neighbors from my grown-up years, the married years. Our very first apartment in Grand Rapids did not provide any interesting neighbors, although isn't your first apartment exciting? Sure, many of us have had our own room growing up or our very first dorm room in college, but your first apartment so full of possibilities. As with most first apartments, we furnished ours with hand-me-downs. Randy's sister Rhonda provided us with a bed, a few chairs, and a couple of dressers, the mother load of hand-me-downs. With wedding gift money, we bought a small kitchen table and a TV. The TV was a 20-inch floor model that was on sale. It lasted many years until we decided it was time for a bigger model. The table stayed with us for over 25 years, used as our kitchen table, then being downgraded to the craft table until a leaf broke and it was time to say goodbye. We still have a few of the chairs, though, going on their fourth or fifth recovering. Now, posters and pictures taped to the wall that worked in the bedroom or the dorm room were not going to cut it for our all-grown-up apartment. What to do? First, we bought two paintings from a hotel art sale. The sale was in a hotel. We didn't buy hotel art. Real paintings. I'm not sure where they got them because there were several of the same picture, only slightly different. Did they have artists paint a bunch of the same ones? Here's the original. Now copy it five times. I don't know, but I still have the big one hanging in my dining room. I have always enjoyed it. Sorry, this story is about neighbors, but you can't have neighbors without dwellings, so you'll get a bit of both. Our move to St. Louis provided us with a number of memorable neighbors. We did not personally meet those neighbors in our first apartment, but we could hear them pee. That's how thin the walls were. Our stay was short-lived in this apartment. 
We left early after the second bomb scare at the abortion clinic across the street. It was also the place Randy and I had our first really big fight. I don't remember what it was about, only that I was so upset I threw up that evening's dinner. We then moved into a converted home with four apartments. It was one long row of rooms with pretty wood floors. The building sat next to Highway 44. However, there were lots of trees and a wall between us, so it wasn't super noisy, and you had to work hard to see the road. We never met any of our fellow housemates because we had a back door entrance where the others entered through the front door. It was the elderly woman next door that gave Randy and me a moment we often relive with the right trigger words. Seven words, to be precise. It has nothing to do with the event, only the sound and inflection of this woman's voice. Perhaps you could help me with something. She didn't even come to the front door, she just called us through our open windows. Her concern was something minor about where the trash cans were placed, yet I will never forget that one little soundbite. Perhaps you could help me with something. A move from St. Louis to Kansas City found us in a lovely little apartment complex with the apartments looking over a courtyard with a nice pool in the center. We lived on the second floor. The laundry was in the basement, which was fine, until I had a baby. Then all of a sudden, those three flights of stairs seemed impossible. When I went onto the balcony, I could chat with the gal who lived in the apartment one flight up. She was friendly and full of advice for this young couple, but she smoked like a chimney. So I never stayed out on the balcony long when she was out there. I never met the guy who lived right next door, but I met his girlfriend a couple times. And when we saw her, we knew it would be a lively night in the bedroom next to us. Ah, the joys of apartment living. I enjoyed living here, but then we added a baby. So when they raised the rent, we decided it was time to buy a house. Our first house, tiny and full of character, provided the quintessential little neighborhood. A two-bedroom house with a kitchen, dining room, a living room, and a partially finished basement. It had an attic room with a little bathroom, but it was not very useful for us at the time. We allowed a young friend to stay in their room for a little while, and she made it work, even though it was awfully cold up there. We paid $84,000 for that little house back in 1994. I wonder what it's worth today. Teresa from next door was chatty and filled me in on all the other neighbors. I have a sad memory connected to her. It involves the family cat from across the street who loved Teresa. He would come running to meet her whenever she returned home. And this particular day, as she pulled in her drive, she started to back up for some reason. Sadly, she did not see the cat, and she backed up right over this poor kitty. I can still see it happening in slow motion in my head. I tried to shout at her to stop, but it wasn't in time, and we both watched in horror as the kitty flopped around and quickly died. 
Teresa was beside herself. Oh, he was such a nice kitty. And what was she going to tell the family? I helped her put him in a shoebox, and when she took him back to his family, I cleaned the blood off her driveway. Then I went home and cried and cried. The family understood and were not mad. After all, that cat loved Teresa more than anyone. Teresa bought our house when it was time for us to move. We were putting a fresh coat of paint on the outside, and she asked us if by any chance we were moving. She had always loved that house, and now her aunt had left her some money so she could afford to buy it. So that was the easiest house sale of the century. The couple on the other side of us were wonderful people, the kind of neighbors who bring the whole neighborhood together, one by knowing everybody's business, along with hosting barbecues and potlucks to create community. The family down the street included a little girl the same age as my oldest Aaron, providing a fun little playmate. Although this little girl was oh so full of vim and vigor, making for a rather wild play date. Across the street lived Esther. Esther struggled with multiple sclerosis. She could walk only a little and relied heavily on a wheelchair. Often she would need help carrying something from her car or moving something around her house. One time she asked me to come over and help her pick out an outfit. I think my phone number was on her speed dial. This was the image we had for someone with MS, and it was frightening to think of when Randy was diagnosed with MS many years later. We have been very fortunate, and Randy has much better mobility. We have learned MS looks different for everyone. Our next house was provided by the company Randy worked for, and we did not stay there long. Consequently, we didn't get to know our neighbors, although the church parking lot next door was a fun place to ride bikes and play, as well as the giant backyard. The elementary school was located at the end of the street, making it a nice walk when Aaron started kindergarten soon after we moved in. And Grace was born when we lived in that house. We moved a few short months after she came home from the hospital. Not great timing. A move is always a challenge, but add a tiny baby to the mix, and that amplifies the challenge. Our next move was to Blue Springs. We lived in our Blue Springs house for about five years, and the most memorable neighbor was next door. They were super nice people, again, full of wisdom for this young family. Janet loved to garden and was an expert on hydrangeas. Larry would sit on the back porch and shoot squirrels. She gave me a few hydrangea plants for my garden, and I took one with me when we moved into our current house. Larry did not give me any squirrels. The elementary school was a few short blocks from the house. However, school policy dictated that all children were picked up for school by buses. Children did not walk to school, and parents did not take them to school. Everyone rode the bus, no matter how close they lived. The bus stopped right in front of our house and picked up my girls, as well as the little girl who lived across the street. Emily came over to our house about an hour before school started, so she wasn't alone in her home after her parents went to work. It worked out fine. My girls were happy to have a friend over every day before school. 
Emily was right between Aaron and Hannah in age, and all three played very well together. As opposed to our other little visitor, Diane, invariably she would break something and she caused drama. Aaron and Hannah played together very well. But when Diane was around, I could count on an argument. I was never able to pinpoint the problem. Consequently, playtime with Diane was not my favorite. I had a friend, too, who lived only a few blocks away, and once we got our girls to school, we would meet halfway between our houses and go for a walk. We each had three girls at the time about the same age, so we would bring our little babies out in our stroller and enjoy a good walk most every weekday. We enjoyed Blue Springs, and I loved my house, but Randy got a new job about 45 minutes away. It became clear we needed to move closer to his work. We tried to stay where we were, but it was a long commute, especially when gas prices <gasps> gas went over $1.90 a gallon. The Blue Springs house took forever to sell. We moved into our new house in Overland Park before we sold this house. That was very stressful. Yet, God is faithful and we survived. Originally, this was going to be one story of all my neighbors, but there have simply been too many colorful characters in my life. And the street of our current home is so full of wonderful people, I'm going to have to give it its own episode. So stay tuned for These Are the People in My Neighborhood Part 2, or Here Are More People in My Neighborhood, or maybe Confessions of a Nosy Neighbor, or better yet... I confess, I am the nosy neighbor. Today, I'm going to chat with my husband, Randy. You've met him before. Uh, Because we're talking about the houses that we lived in, and he did actually, since they were, this is the married years, that's the guy I was married to for all those years. So here, welcome, Randy. Thanks for chatting. As always, it's a pleasure to be here with you. That's so, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, so our our houses, nobody made us move. We just uh-huh. moved and moved and moved. But we haven't moved for like 17 years. So. <laughs> we can't talk about that now. That's my next story. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, it took us a while to sort of figure out what you were going to do with your life. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but we started out in Grand Rapids. Right? Yeah. Well, and I'm with you. I don't remember much about that. I, you know, We were there such a short time, too. Just a year and a half. and Yeah. I liked Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the kind of apartment where it, there's a community. This is like late 80s. The apartments, the way they build apartments now with like gyms and... Right. You know, that was that was not... There was no swimming pool. I don't yeah. even remember if there was like a hallway. Did we have a hallway to get through? No, get it there? was out, outside stairs. So if you remember, you I walked up. I do not up, remember. Yeah, you walked up. It's crazy that I remember something like this and you don't. I, I You walked up out, outer because stairs. Because I never left. And on either side of the stairs were apartments. 
So it was like these open stairs that you. I cannot get it in my brain. And we were on like the second floor. So we weren't. Yeah. I mean, I remember the little balcony. Mm -hmm. I have a picture of building a little snowman on the balcony. That was the other thing in Grand Rapids. We had lots of snow. Yeah. But um, then we moved to St. Louis. Right. And it's the classic story for us, at least, of the woman next door. Perhaps. Help me with something. The only other time I remember, like, any sort of major interaction with her was one night when there was a possum out in the backyard. Oh, yeah. And it was just hissing like crazy. And, and she was out there, too. That thing was nasty. It was big, too. In my mind, my brain, when I think of that story, I picture an R.O.U.S. Yeah. From Princess Bride, the Rodents of Unusual Side. That's that's the thing I have in my brain is you battling this giant possum. (laughs) And battling meant me walking away from it very quickly (laughs) because I was not going anywhere near that. Why did you even go out there? I don't remember because I heard something. I think that's what it was. Or I went out to take the trash out or something. And all of a sudden, there's this thing just hissing at me. I'm like, holy cow. And she was out there for some reason. Do you remember the time? And maybe it's the same story. When she talked to us through the window. Oh, yeah. She would routinely talk to us through the windows. Yeah. We would just be sitting in our apartment. And and she would just start talking. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is city dwelling. So yeah, the houses are close. really close to each we other. We were on the first yeah. floor. Right. So she'd be out, you know, just in her yard, and she might see one of us and start talking yeah. to us through the window. She wasn't the the nicest woman. She wasn't nice. I don't no. ever think she was very nice. I think she was annoyed that there was this apartment building next to her. Right next to her. Maybe. <laughs> and so that's why she wanted to talk to us through her window, yeah. right? through our windows. Yeah, like we were in charge. You know, yeah, that was what was crazy is she, she had complaints and she was trying to voice them to us. Right. We're like, I'm sorry. That's and where we are we told just, to put our trash cans. We just live here. I don't know, you know anything. Yeah. I, you know what I find interesting about that when I'm thinking about all the very different places that we lived is that some places, the neighborhood was re- really connected. Mm. Everybody knew everybody. There'd be people you would be chatting with people and other places you did not interact with anybody. I mean, it wasn't even a like a wave hello. Which places to come to mind with that? Well, actually, both of the places that we started to live here, when we lived, when we bought our house here on Hardy Street, mm-hmm. that neighborhood, everybody knew everybody. Right, yeah. In fact, not just the people on the street. You, like, knew the people on the next street over. We all knew each other. And then we moved from that house to a different house, the one... On Lowell. On, yeah, and... And nobody spoke to anybody. I mean, I think we knew our next door neighbors. We talked to them a little bit. And to be fair, we didn't have neighbors on the other side. It was a church building right. on the other side of us. But still, I can't even picture anybody else. I felt that like street. we were a secluded part of that neighborhood. Nobody was ever out in their front yards. Very disconnected from the neighborhood that surrounded the school just to the north. Yeah. Uh, I'm now. I don't know that to be true. I don't know that they had better relationships with their neighbors, but well, it felt disconnected. We didn't live there very long, but even still, and I think that's part of it. Nobody lived very long. Well, in that I house. think that's true. Even like uh, 
Well, the apartment we lived in St. Louis, we didn't know anybody in that apartment other no. than our grumpy lady next door. But when we moved here into our apartments here, we knew several of our neighbors. Well, you know, the apartment manager lived on site. That was new for us. Yeah, that's true. I think it has to depend on the neighbors who are there. And it's helpful to have like a person who is like a community organizer, who's like, I live in this neighborhood. So like Sandy next door and in Hardy. Yes, exactly. Was she was like, everybody will now be, we're going to, I'm going to gather you together. And we're going to know each other. I'm going to come on and talk to you. And like here. Don't talk about here. Don't talk about here. That's, a that's story. another story. Uh, Sandy did that at, at, at our Hardy house. And, and Janet then, in Blue Springs. Yeah. There just was somebody who was like that. I think the other thing about our uh, first apartment here, there was that courtyard that had the pool. Yeah. So there was a common, it was almost like a common space. Right. So you maybe didn't know everybody, but you knew You could see people, who they were. Well, and also the balconies. So like if I was on the balcony, you were almost like right across from each other because it was kind of a square and we were in the corner. Right, and you were further than woman on the so, balcony yeah, and her smoking like crazy. <laughs> now, one of my distinct memories of that place was our neighbor who had a girlfriend who was deaf. Well, I think I talk about it in the story. You you talk a little bit about it, but you don't go into great detail. <laughs> well, because this is not an X-rated podcast. Oh, I'm not right? saying it needs to be X-rated. What I was going to say is she couldn't hear, but she could speak. Right. And so when she spoke, she spoke very loud. Yeah. Oftentimes, whether they were outside or in their apartment, you could hear them talking as well as you could hear them doing other things. Right. (laughs) And I think that was about when we were like, okay, you know, we should probably get our own place. Well, you know, we, I liked that apartment. They upped the rent, like, I want to say by like $300. And this was... Back in the nineties. Yeah, but then we bought our we bought our first house. Right. And that was where Teresa and Sandy and Yeah. You know, neighbors have quirks. It's interesting how something that, that might seem unimportant to you can be so important to somebody else. Like the woman next to us in St. Louis who the trash cans, where the trash cans were. Such a big, huge thing to her. That wasn't right for her. So it's this this little thing that, that bothered her. I, I remember we had we had gotten a dog. She liked to bark. Yeah. I you know, I remember Larry and Janet. Larry finally at one point was like Yeah, you know, it's funny is that I, I remember Larry and Janet being really nice people, but I also remember them being kinda scary. Yeah. So like the dog thing, but I get it, that dog was Yeah. There was one time I remember where I had the sprinkler out and I was playing, the girls were playing in the sprinkler. It was going over our fence and getting into their yard. And she came over very unhappy that the sprinkler was getting on her plants. And it was the wrong time of day for them to get wet. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I just moved that. And also, they were, we had a basketball hoop in our yeah. front mm. yard. And the boys down the street, they didn't have a basketball hoop, and we'd let them come and shoot baskets and play in our in our driveway and shoot baskets. And they did not like that. They did not like that at all. You know, there is something nice when you you form a 
a relationship with somebody near you, like Sandy and Joe and Sandy, you know, you trusted them. And if you were away, you could say, hey, we're going to be gone for a week. Right. Um, yeah. Keep you an give eye them on the a house. key you to give your them a house key. and yeah. you feel perfectly safe about that. Yeah. And other other places you don't find that at all. Yeah, it's good. There's there's something so valuable about knowing the people around you. I don't know if it's a regret. It's more of a question of why don't I do this better? You know, you live really close to all these people. You're next door to them. Why don't we form relationships with them like you do, at, say, with somebody at church? You know, I don't know if it's, oh, they, you know, me thinking, oh, they've got plenty of friends. They don't need me. Or if it's more of like, I want to keep a certain distance because they're near me and they might have questions about the neighbors. or you know, I really whatever. think there's a whole lot of issues that play at that because I think the same thing sometimes. I'm not very good at making friends with the people around. I'm not very good at making friends, period. But you would think if I was living right next door to somebody, we could be good friends. I think one is that we moved a lot as kids mm. and that your neighborhood was not really like my mom talks about her neighborhood and she grew up, she lived in the same house her entire life. And the people in that neighborhood, they were friends. They went out and they played together and they were always there, but we moved a lot and you just didn't really make an effort too much to get to know your neighbors because you knew in three years you were going to move. Mm. And secondly, we're just not very friendly <laughs> I mean, we're nice people. Yeah, I get it. But we're not, I mean, there are just people who we're are. We're not like, invite you over for dinner people. Right. We're like, we're, if you show up at my door and say, hey, can you feed me dinner? We'll be like, oh, come well, on sure, in. Come on in. You can we'll have see some what we dinner. got in the fridge. Yeah. We have good friends that we keep saying, "Oh, hey, we need to we need to have them over for dinner," and we still haven't done and it. We just cause we, we just, just don't do it. We, 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 you know, that's terrible. Why are we like that? We're horrible, horrible, horrible human beings. I think we could just go with one horrible. Okay, maybe pathetic. No, beings. I don't. Pathetic's not it. That's no? not the right word. Um, Lazy. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> I think that's the one. <laughs> bing bing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> so, friends, show up at our door and we'll bring you in. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, you'll feed you peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich. So, if you get an invitation from us, you are very special. <laughs> yeah. We wave at our neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's something, right? Right. I, I mean, think that's... we get points for that. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogie Land Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at OnCarlsonDrive.com. 
Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.